Hello to all our listeners, and welcome to this edition of Coffee and Conversation, Workplace Wisdom Unleashed. This is the 2020 Parallax Partnerships podcast that we intend to run as a series of conversations entertaining experienced senior business leaders and influencers in the leadership sphere over a cup of coffee, a bicky, and a chat. This month, I'm going to be speaking to Doug Kirkpatrick, an author, speaker, writer, and educator. Doug is a leading expert in next-generation organisational development, and specifically self-management, which I seek to hear more about during our conversation, and we explore how some of the lessons from self-managing organisations can be very helpful at this challenging time. So, I hope you enjoy our chat. Doug, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to Confia Conversations, Workplace Wisdom Unleashed. Thanks very much, Chris. Pleasure to be with you. For the benefit of our listeners, I would like to introduce you because you've got a very interesting resume. As I understand it, you are the author of Amazon's bestseller, Beyond Empowerment, The Age of the Self-Managed Organization, and an organizational change consultant, TEDx and keynote speaker, executive coach, writer and educator which is itself quite a lot. Um, But you're also a Forbes speaker and you served as a director with the Association for Talent Development, which is the world's largest development association with over 40,000 members in 120 countries. Your newest book, I think you've just launched in 2019, The No Limits Enterprise. Yeah. Um, And that was released by Forbes, wasn't it, in 2019? And during your earlier business career in the manufacturing center, you were the financial controller administrator with Morningstar Company of Sacramento, California. Um, And they are, continue to be, a global leader in the food industry, I think, and a leader in the application of next stage self-management approaches to leadership and management practices. And I believe you're still engaged now with the Morningstar Self-Management Institute and other vibrant organizations to co-create the future of management as we see it going forward. Is that right? I missed anything. No, <laughs> no I, I am tempted to say, what generous. do you do in your afternoons? <laughs> <laughs> Drink coffee. <laughs> Catch up on my reading. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you for stepping out. I know you're in the middle of a course just now. So thank you for stepping out to take time to have a chat with us today, which is really good. But I did think with all of that background that you were in an ideal place to be able to, you've both experienced in the past implementing next stage um, self-management practices. You've obviously written about them. Um, and with what's going on in the world right now with COVID, it seems you're very well placed to comment about that current situation. And, um, it's almost naturally driving us towards some of the benefits of next stage working, it seems to me. Um, um, I was very curious about the recent um, article that went, went alongside your book where you were basically talking about don't transform, but transcend. So what, what, where were you going with that? What was that all about? Yeah, the, my uh, concept there uh, is very much derived from my uh, friendship and relationship with uh, one of the really truly great philosophers of work, uh, Peter Kessenbaum. And Peter Kessenbaum has written a number of books, one of which was called Freedom and Accountability at Work with Peter Block, in which he talks about the polarity uh, between uh, command and control organizations and organizations that respect uh, the capacity of human beings to exercise free will and uh, where that um, thinking leads us. 
if we follow it to its logical conclusion. So if you believe in free will, uh, then it's no one's job to motivate anyone else. People are either going to motivate themselves or not, uh, as their free will dictates. Um, and if you believe in free will, and it's no one's job to tell other people what to do. Um, we can mentor, we can coach, we can guide, um, we can lead by example, but uh, it's really about abandoning the old uh, command and control mindset that's guided organizations for the last 150 plus years. Yeah. And uh, recognizing that human beings are uh, independent uh, autonomous agents uh, who are really working for themselves. Um, we shouldn't expect people to subscribe to um, uh, the business, uh, uh, the mission of a business in particular, because people are really ultimately working for themselves. And if they can align with the purpose of an enterprise, that's, that's magic. That's wonderful. Uh, that's golden. So yeah, we should um, try to, to achieve that. Um, but we should first and foremost recognize that people are working for themselves and we should therefore try to create vibrant um, workplaces that respect human dignity uh, respect uh, the exercise of free will and that give people uh, the chance to be fully human, fully adult and, and exercise their full capacities as human beings. Um, and the way to do that is to uh, engage in what Peter Kestenbaum refers to as the transcendentals. And the transcendentals are uh, concepts that elevate our line of sight uh, beyond uh, budgets and, and KPIs and personal improvement plans and, and all the other uh, language of, of uh, traditional business. Yeah. Uh, they are concepts like uh, consciousness and meaning and, and belonging uh, and purpose and companionate love and concepts that uh, elevate our, our line of sight so that we can uh, see our way to uh, transcend the, the problems and the challenges of, of traditional organizations, which frankly are resulting in massive uh, bureaucratic costs, uh, disengagement and anxiety. So let's elevate our line of sight and see if we can transcend these crushing problems uh, some of which are moral problems uh, in the sense that bureaucracy is literally wasting people's lives. Yeah. And so we're, we're costing people the opportunity to spend time with their families, to engage in personal growth, uh, to develop, you know, their humanity uh, in their own time and in their own way. Um, it, it is beyond uh, an economic cost at this point, which is already staggering. Now, we're, now it's a moral cost, and it's something that we have to wrestle with, uh, especially uh, in the age of COVID-19 and yes. the world in which we now live. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I thought your uh, conversation with you today would be so um, interesting, because clearly COVID is offering, ironically, um, an example and a taste for some people of genuine autonomy almost being thrust upon them. They're being sent off to remote locations to do stuff remotely and people are ha almost having to be forced into a more trusted 
um, working environment, which is a natural state for some of these other organizations. So I was really interested in your, your take on what the COVID-19 challenge, uh, there's some, there are some ironic lessons here as well as it being tragic. It's also, there are some, some interesting things that people may learn from it. Yeah, and anecdotally, I'm hearing that uh, hierarchy is starting to melt as people begin to work remotely on a massive global basis. Um, when you get away from headquarters, uh, where people are, um, you know, have titles and corner offices and perks and, um, you know, special parking spots and all those sorts of things, and now you're just a group of 16 images on a zoom call yeah. um, it's not easy to um, throw your ego around uh, and, and exercise power and, and be political and, and all those kinds of behaviors that we're, we're so accustomed to in traditional workplaces so um, it is uh, beneficial in, in the sense that we are starting to see evidence of hierarchy starting to melt and people just relating to each other on the basis of their value contribution and their expertise. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, and hopefully uh, we can keep working this way when the COVID crisis abates and, and we can continue developing in this direction. And so in that sense, it's, it's probably, uh, the crisis is probably an accelerant uh, for for new and better ways of working in, in terms of uh, remote work and telework, um, so it's very interesting. And and we think that Vanguard companies can teach us very important lessons about um, how to telework effectively, um, because we have great companies like um, uh, W. L. Gore, um, others, uh, Zappos. Um, uh, Morningstar, Valve, a number of great companies. And um, so many of these uh, organizations have already been practicing things that are going to be crucial for an effective world of teleworking. Um, for example, uh, Morningstar is very dedicated to uh, the principle of individual commitment. And commitments need to be explicit. They need to be clear. Uh, we need to negotiate conditions of satisfaction. We have to have supreme transparency, accountability, and clarity. Uh, an initiator of a commitment um, has to be super clear in his or her expectations for delivery and fulfillment. Um, and it's based on free will and negotiation. Um, that skill set and that structure is going to be crucial uh, for effective telework. We have to be really explicit uh, and clear about commitment making and commitment keeping uh, when we're working remotely. So we're not going to be face to face as much. Uh, we're not going to be able to um, um, see as much uh, nonverbal communication as before. Um, so it's going to put a premium on the ability to make and keep clear commitments. And uh, that's gonna be beneficial yep. uh, for business performance and value creation going yeah, I'm, forward. I'm very, so that's just one example. Uh, and that makes perfect sense. And I, I, I'm also uh, observing that the requirement for really crystal clear briefs 
is becoming even more essential to really facilitate that piece so that you can enable people. And it's part and parcel with when coaching people in delegation and distributed leadership and what everything come, in that sense comes back to a really clear brief and really clear outlining of what my requirement and what the outcomes I'm expecting from you that enables that person to really own the task or the objective or the project. <clears throat> and that's going to, that skill set, as you say, seems to be on the rise. I'm very curious um, about your opinion on the, the, an idea I have that self-managed organizations are likely to be more self more resilient in this time. Well, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, self-managed organizations are uh, almost by definition, they're organized around networks of peers uh, as opposed to the, the brittle um, um, vertical uh, hierarchical bureaucratic command and control structures uh, that started in 1841 uh, <laughs> here in the U.S. Um, so we, we'd like to think so. Um, uh, I can just relate my Morningstar experience. We, we really created a network of peers starting with 24 peers. Uh, we demonstrated scalability uh, over multiple locations and uh, hundreds uh, of year-round colleagues, thousands of seasonal colleagues, uh, now, now approaching the billion dollars in sales yeah. uh, and the largest company in our, in our industry. So really uh, what started as the genesis uh, of a, an idealistic concept in the mind of the founder uh, became a 30-year example of scalable, adaptable uh, organizational self-management. Um, and if you were to look at a, uh, an org chart uh, of Morningstar, it would be like a spider web floating in three-dimensional space. If you created a time-lapse movie, it would be in constant motion as individuals adjusted uh, their activities and their relationships uh, to the line of sight of the customer and the demands of the marketplace and the resource availabilities and all the other factors that affect business decision making, it would be in constant motion and people would be entering and exiting the ecosystem. Uh, it's a porous uh, system. Uh, it can include contractors and vendors and suppliers and community members and regulators and every conceivable kind of stakeholder uh, as it sort of, you know, executes its, its business mission. Um, so it's hard to imagine uh, a more adaptable type of organization system than that. And um, a, a guy at the University of Oslo, Mark Burgess, has worked out the, the algebra of scalability. So we don't see any barriers to scale at all. Uh, it's about managing really complex systems around really simple principles uh, like we find in nature and, and like we find in very simple organization uh, principles like those established by DHOC at Visa and others. So um, you can create these really uh, dynamic, um, scalable organizations around really simple, solid principles, and they absolutely scale and adapt. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me <clears throat> that the 
the the structure really helps you to as they say sense and respond to whatever's going on in the market and and the marketplace or the environment and therefore it would intuitively seem that they are those type of organizations are best placed to react quickly and adapt quickly to these massive changes that are going on just now and equally well they will be able to spring back and re-react in the future as opposed to the super tanker hierarchical formal structures which themselves bombers by definition take far far longer to react to subtle change and hence you see all or nothing change um, where you know in certain organizations that are very strict in their implementation practices there's no criticism of this way that they're formed but they have to furlough a whole raft of employees because they can't flex because they're just not wired that way and my understanding of course is that when you're trying to help organizations go through into this next generation next stage organizational development type process one of the fundamentals is that it's important to look at your structure the fundamental systems that are supporting everything here not just say oh it's a great idea let me give you guys over the there the responsibility for delivering this project but if your systems your remuneration your reward your recognition your way that you generate um uh cost return on investment cost projects giving true autonomy to local people to make those decisions and having your decision rights processes and your conflict resolution processes in place um, without those in those fundamental structural systems underpinning and reinforcing the distributed leadership piece you're not going to be you're running more of a risk of not being successful so it's a fundamental root and branch approach isn't it yeah, very, very much so. And um, I, I'd expand uh, on, on uh, the idea of reacting to markets by saying that we also need to react to uh, disruptions in supply, um, technological changes in supply. Uh, we live in California uh, here where we have a massive regulatory state um, and they throw uh, curveballs uh, constantly. Uh, so the ability of an organization to sense and respond is uh, absolutely crucial uh, in the current age. And, and uh, uh, I mean, not even counting the COVID crisis, uh, it's a, a absolute precondition to uh, survival. It's an existential question. Yeah. Um, if you're that uh, super tanker uh, that, that can barely turn, uh, in response to massive change, then it's going to be really hard to survive over the long term in that yeah. environment. And the irony is, of course, that this, and you said it at the top, really, that the essence of this is person-centered. It's about welcoming the whole person and in enabling the whole capacity to be realized within an organization, which might mean moving somebody around an organization rather than in an old scenario, having them exit the business, because you can see that there's more to this person than necessarily meets the eye and they could work well over this side of the business as opposed to that side of the business but in welcoming and addressing the whole person these organizations also effectively going to your initial point about tapping into their own free will they do things because they want to do stuff they're personally motivated not externally motivated and the performance results that you get are demonstrably significantly better i mean the numbers i read about Morningstar was a 7% compound interest year on year on year where your marketplace was growing at 1%, which is if you like a 700% improvement in performance. 
I mean, I'm not the financial controller. That's you. But, yeah, <laughs> that looks like good numbers to me. I don't know. Yeah, I can't speak to the current numbers, no. um, but uh, I haven't been in that role for a while. But uh, yes, we uh, we think that uh, a self-managed ecosystem uh, benefits everyone, uh, and, and people do want to bring their entire selves to work. Uh, people are unique human beings. Um, there's no one like you, Chris Rue, anywhere in the world, uh, and never will That's be. So true. You're the only Chris Rue that, that <laughs> will ever exist. And so uh, let's let's bring individuals, uh, entire selves to work. Um, we think the environment helps everyone to some degree. Uh, some people take fuller advantage of it than others. Um, and that's fine. That's how they're choosing to exercise their free will. Um, uh, it's interesting. Just yesterday, we developed a list of 21 uh, self-management capacities. So we don't call them competencies. We don't expect everyone's fully competent in each one of these uh, attributes, but uh, they are capacities. And so uh, we think that these are important capacities uh, for people to have to thrive to the full ex extent possible and be effective in a self-managed environment. Um, the one uh, capacity that's non-negotiable is uh, ethical responsibility, integrity. So if, if you're uh, not an honest person, this is not going to work because this is a commitment-based system. And so people have to rely on each other's word uh, it's called promise theory, uh, right. according to Mark Burgess in Oslo. Uh, you have to be reliable in terms of your integrity. When you make a commitment, you keep the commitment or you renegotiate the commitment and you keep the commitment recipient informed of your progress on the commitment. Uh, that's absolutely crucial. So if a person's not honest, then uh, this can't work. But um, we also look for attributes like initiative, um, consciousness, the ability to hold other people accountable and to be accountable oneself. Uh, we look for a, an orientation that's horizontal in terms of a network orientation, a peer-to-peer -peer orientation, rather than looking for a boss or someone to be a boss to. Um, we look for people who can make good decisions and, and uh, who exercise uh, good time management, those kinds of things that have been around, you know, ever since uh, management started. So um, you can be more or less effective in a self-managed environment, but you absolutely have to have uh, ethical responsibility and integrity. Fabulous. And if there was one thing that you would like people effectively to pay attention to now or a lesson that they could be learning uh, out of the current situation covid situation what would what would that be do you think i think that um we should look at history for guidance and we should um be brave and courageous and forward thinking and resilient as individuals uh and as individuals uh contributing in a work environment. Um, if we look back in the Middle Ages, we had a, a terrible black plague. Uh, by some estimates, it, it wiped out half the population on the planet. Uh, it wiped out hundreds of millions of people. Um, Europe was devastated. 
Uh, and yet out of that horrible, horrible tragedy, uh, a few years later, a guy named Johannes Gutenberg uh, invented the printing press. And somebody looked at the mountains of rags <clears throat> that had been collected to treat the dead and dying from the Black Plague and said, you know, I think we can turn those mountains of rags into paper and feed uh, Gutenberg's printing presses. And so they did. And they catalyzed uh, art and music and, and literature and learning uh, throughout the world. They created uh, a little thing called the Renaissance. <laughs> so out of the greatest uh, tragedies uh, in history have come some of the greatest uh, accomplishments uh, of humankind. And so um, as, as uh, debilitating and, and as fear-creating uh, and as um, loss-creating and tragic as this COVID-19 crisis has been and continues to be, um, we should all be courageous and brave and look ahead to the future uh, because it will be brighter and we will come out of this uh, stronger and better and faster and more resilient uh, as long as we're brave and look ahead. Brilliant. Well, I, I don't think I could even begin to follow that. And that's, a, and that's also probably an appropriate time to, to, to say thank you very much for coming on to Coffee and Conversations. I hope you had a chance to have a sip of your coffee there. I know. I, <laughs> it <was great. laughs> but it was a real pleasure to talk to you again. And um, uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate your questions. You take care and stay safe. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Doug today, which did remind me of a theme that believing in the higher spirit, capacity for good and ability in people often hidden to themselves is an amazing and wonderful thing when we give it air and space to emerge. And we are certainly seeing evidence of that in these challenging times. As ever, I am reminded of a quote, and today this is from Johann Goethe, 18th century poet, who simply said, You can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. This seems highly appropriate today, as the carers in all parts of the UK do their bit in this pandemic. So our thanks to all of them. And until next time, to you and your families, Stay well and stay safe. If you've enjoyed this episode of Coffee and Conversation Workplace Wisdom Unleashed, then please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share on your social media channels. Equally, if you would like to give us some feedback, suggest future guests, share your stories or find out more about leadership, team and organisational development, we would love to hear from you. Do contact us via our LinkedIn pages. These links can be found in the description associated with this episode. Ready to unleash your workplace wisdoms? Well, what are you waiting for? <laughs>